Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cy White and Ewan Pearson, it's a historic day in gaming history. All sorts of leaks left, right and centre. Call me the farmer. Guys, I'm gathering the leaks, let me tell you. There's all sorts of things to talk about. That's the level of punnery that you can expect from the World Culture Gaming Podcast. Cy White, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, all right. Head spinning. <laughs> Lots going on, as you say. Like, what a, what a bizarre day. I know. I wanted to immediately DM both of you and I was like, can, you just, can I just talk at you for a bit about how ridiculous these things are and can we uh, discuss things? And you were like, I want to get food. I was like, no, 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 no. Put that food down, Si. We've got things to talk about. You and Patterson, how are you feeling? I'm doing good, mate. I was just updating you on the bird content in the garden. It's great. The Robin's <laughs> back. King's back. There was a chaffinch down earlier on. Everything's oh, going up. Birdhouse. This is a very historic day for gaming history, and we'll get there. But who's your, what's your favorite bird? Who's Ooh, your favorite bird? Bullfinch, mate. I love a bullfinch. Yeah, they're really cute. Bullfinch. They're called squeaky wheels because the noise that they make when they, <laughs> they tweet is sounds like a squeaky bicycle wheel. I'm a big fan of that. I tell you what, I'm also a big fan of is big old leaks. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. I've just filmed a big old um, to cam blab summary video thing. We'll do some YouTube shorts from it as well because there's lots of uh, bombshells from this. This comes from apparently a series of attachments across some emails going wrong during the FTC Microsoft. Um, conversation the whole investigation into acquiring Zenimax and everything else and um, some emails were filed wrong and they apparently leaked and they've revealed not only the next Xbox system the next main Xbox system and they'll be coming after the series systems but only the um, but also the next Xbox Series X there's also a conversation in here about how Microsoft slash um, you know Phil Spencer is aiming to take over Warner Brothers and Nintendo um, and there's mention um, of Bethesda's entire slate and uh, what they've got in development what they've got coming up down the future down the future, in the future, um, the next Doom game, uh, there's mention of Dishonored 3. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but we're going to all break it down. I'm pretty much just going to reuse the notes that I had from the news um, and make it more conversational. We'll just There's a lot of just, what the hell are they thinking stuff in here, but there's a lot of fun stuff in there as well. Um, so yeah, the first thing, the Nintendo acquisition. This is from um, an email between Phil Spencer um, talking to some various executives. He's responding to someone um, asking, why is Nintendo not a more uh, valuable target? You're not considering Nintendo. And he instead says, yes. Um, he says he refers to them as a career 
move, acquiring Nintendo would be a career move, um, and says that they have to play the long game with them. He says that he has talked to the board of directors for Microsoft and that they are in, on board with doing it, though, um, and they're just waiting for the right offer to come around. He says that they're just waiting for the right sort of machinations to happen, but they're very much wanting to acquire Nintendo, very much wanting to acquire Warner Brothers, and um, because of the date of this email being 2020, Zenimax is mentioned as well, but obviously that has already gone through or is going through. Um, so it seems to be the, the overall way they want to go forward. Side, do you want do you want the, the Captain meme? Do you want the, the Xbox and Nintendo now? Is that the <laughs> that a reality we want? Oh, God, this is so bizarre. Like, this is the first <laughs> thing I read this morning. I'm like, what are you on, Phil Spencer? Hello. <laughs> like, I mean, as you say, you pointed out, it's from 2020. So mm-hmm. who knows what conversations were happening then and what are not happening now, I expect. Yep. I, I feel like... This is Phil Spencer being like, yeah, we got it. We saw it. It's in the bag. And Nintendo are just like, Psh, like they probably have paid no attention to this. There's a bit at the end where Phil says something along the lines of, you know, I've been trying to convince them that they need to get out of the hardware game, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but it's an uphill battle. And it's like, the Switch is like one of the best-selling consoles of all time. What are you talking about? I don't well, understand. There's only this would this would go through is if they abandon all that stuff. Like if they just don't want to do a Switch anymore and the only way to play the next Mario is, is in front of a Game Pass logo with an Xbox logo in front of him with his little green hat on. I just, I don't think any of that would ever <laughs> yeah, work. God. You've got to but, admire the sort of like lofty dreams, but it's never yeah. happening. This is not like when Sega were bust and anyone could like kind of like, but I'll come over here and make games for us or whatever. Like Nintendo are in a pretty okay place, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty okay. They're I feel like, um, yeah, apparently, because I, I remember like in gaming history, I had to find the um, the time period for this, but this is just before they launched the original Xbox. Um, the Xbox sent one of their executives, Kevin Backus, over to Japan to talk to Nintendo about acquisition um, or to, or to uh, make games for the Xbox. Mm. And apparently they were laughed out the room. Apparently they laughed at them for about an hour solid. <laughs> and they couldn't believe That's they the Simpsons that. bit you're describing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I'm just, I love that like 20 years later, I mean, everything else is nostalgic from 20 years ago, so we've got to bring this back um, to try again. But Ewan, what do you think of, uh, the? I guess, everything about this? It's, um, I'm worried that Microsoft are going to buy me. Um, <laughs> it's like, they're just, when, when do they stop? You know, it's like, the they're whole, coming for your bullfinches. The whole story, oh, they better not. Oh, <laughs> um, but the inter- it's just kind of wild to me. Like, I, as, a, as an Xbox person for so long, and then I obviously switched across to PlayStation, I'm very conscious of coming on all these podcasts and then whenever Xbox news comes up, me being like, oh, that damn Microsoft stealing and buying everything and I won't be able to play it anymore. But, you know, that is a factor to it. I just think it's very... Um, it, it's just kind of... I get the impression of Phil Spencer in... Have you ever seen Glen Gary Glen Ross? You know Jack Lemmon's character know. in Glengarry Glen Ross? He inspired Gil Gunderson in The Simpsons. The bit, the scenario you just described there of them going over to Japan and like being like, hey, Nintendo, I gotta tell you, you gotta get out of the, the physical media game. It's all gonna be cloud computing from now on. You gotta bet on mm-hmm. that and all the, the documents right here. We'll buy you. We'll totally buy you. And Nintendo's just like, uh, actually, no, we're kind of like doing completely <laughs> fine right now. So we don't need to buy anything. And, and Phil just kind of going, oh, I tell you the thing that'll thread throughout this is that they seem allergic to committing to new games. They're entirely all in on just acquisitions and buy- it's almost like buying territory rather than what's inside that territory or, or making your own land or whatever the hell it is. They just what was the last thing that they nurtured from the ground up? Because I was going back through Xbox history and obviously it's been a talking point for many years that like obviously they acquired Halo, they acquired Gears of War, and you know they bought Bungie, they bought Epic. 
and um, to make those games. And it's like, when was the last time they had something from the ground up? You've kind of got avowed, in theory, from buying Obsidian, but it depends when that started development. But I guess, like, Starfield is now classed as an Xbox exclusive, but it started development before they bought them. So, like, you would assume that they buy all this stuff up and then go, look, we've got all this beautiful Game Pass money, which is another talking point that we'll get to. Um, you guys make whatever you want, and we'll just put it on Game Pass. That'll all be one lucrative thing, and then we put it on the cloud. People can play it wherever they want, and that's that's their whole play. But I think there are so many big issues with, like, you know, I mentioned the Game Pass revenue. Like, they're about to put their prices up for Game Pass in October. So it's, like, alongside Disney+, Plus, alongside the amount of other subscription services that are doing the same thing. I just don't think any of this is works in a wider sense, in a macro level. Um, and then you've got the micro stuff where they don't really have the games. And one of the things that I mentioned in the news is that Starfield massively spiked Series X sales. Um, it was just like the games do sell the consoles mm-hmm. like funnily enough and it's just like I guess what's your general thoughts on that so that whole thing of trying to plan for the future trying to plan for the next big thing but missing the thing that's right in front of you yeah I mean we talked about it just before we started recording cynical Ewan was the word you used and it's absolutely right it really is like the whole thing just so filled with cynicism and business jargon and nothing else at mm. this point and it just steadily has gone that way more and more over the years because yeah, I was like you, I was an Xbox player and then I jumped over to PlayStation because there was just not enough going on on the Xbox side with Xbox One, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft have admitted themselves that they kind of lost that part of the mm-hmm. console war and have been on the back foot ever since. But weirdly, they haven't looked at what PlayStation did right and then just tried to emulate it instead. I mean, fair play to them for trying something different, but yeah. they're, the, they're the, the corporation, they're the console of quantity over quality. Um, whereas we, what, we, like, we all went to PlayStation to play all of those big name IPs that we think about as you think about the year and you think about all the big games that came out on PlayStation mm. for whatever year you're talking about and Xbox just hasn't had any for years no, Starfield the is the one. first big name yeah Mm-hmm. In so long, like if you think about 2023, it's Starfield, it's Boulders, it's those huge things. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, you and what do you think of the, I guess, the general health of <laughs> their first party it's, stuff? It, it strikes me as concerning here because what we've got, you, you touched on the idea that like, you know, the big kind of move that they're going for here and have been for a while now is we are going to buy to make up for our own lack of... Um, I'm trying to get the right word here, but kind of like innovation, I guess you could maybe say yeah. that or, it, you know... Um, that was the right like investing in first party yeah like the, the when Sony was doing the PlayStation 4, they really hit the ground running on their exclusive games, you know. But the PS3 lacked in terms of, like, <laughs> hardware utility. It still had some great exclusives, and the PlayStation 4 was this amazing marriage of, like, we've got the amazing exclusive games, and now we've got a, a, a piece of hardware that easily outclasses the competition because Microsoft mm-hmm. completely fumbled the bag in, in 20, uh, E3 2013 and just completely... Mm-hmm you know, messed everything up. The thing that strikes me here is that the only motivation that I'm seeing from Microsoft convey to, to me, and this, I, I, the thing that I see here is like, come to Xbox because you can play your old games and we're going to probably eventually buy the games that you want to play. <laughs> There's nothing there that speaks to me as like, well, we have like, you know, this amazing kind of network of developers that are obviously that they're going to craft their own IP and do something amazing. And again, just obviously they have Bethesda now. They have a mm. bunch of studios, but it still seems so entirely predicated as a content library and platform. And even with yeah. the leaks, you know, from that we've seen today, a lot of it seems to be geared around like, oh, we're going to remaster. And again, I'm really excited for a Fallout Three remaster or a Fallout New mm-hmm. Vegas remaster and stuff like that. But looking across at Xbox, the only incentive I see to eventually get one of these consoles 
is to well i'll be able to play all the stuff and then also maybe <laughs> they'll make the maybe maybe they'll just buy everything and then i'll have no other alternative it's just um it's yeah i mean it's how it's how the business game is played but yeah like yeah. like the set aside before it came on it just comes across as as markedly cynical there's nothing there and like the whole conversations that spencer had i think it was last year or earlier this year where he was basically like oh yeah no we've lost so uh, yeah. i guess all we can really do now is just buy everything and then go cloud 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 and it just <laughs> it's kind of like it's just really misery i, I don't mm-hmm. i don't like it <laughs> i think that like that whole thing about when he was on that interview with kind of funny it was after redfall so yeah it would have been this year because yeah. it was in the aftermath of redfall being like on fire and he was just like look great games aren't going to save us we're in third we're in third place he's like we lost the most important generation because that's when everyone bought their uh, built up their digital libraries and mm-hmm. we can't compete with that so we need to do something else and it's weird because if you look back in like xbox history like you had the um, the xbox indie marketplace and you had xbox live and like you had all these sort of like big moves forward um, um, that like did change everything and like I get them trying to aim high again and it's like it's funny when they did their 20th anniversary they put out like a it was like a 20 part documentary thing yeah. it might all be in one file now but it's on their YouTube channel where they were very honest about like how much they got wrong because then the last time they tried the big thing was all the DRM uh, everyone has that digital library stuff at the start of 2013 like you said you and they messed it up and um, in that making of thing they were just like that's kind of what we do like we try these things and they mess up and whatever and the next big thing is cloud consoles I'm going to get onto like the next Xbox because they're building a, a fundamentally cloud powered Xbox box for 2028 and it's just <laughs> it's a huge space it's uh, one of those things where like you know they're going to try these big moves because i think they think it's in their dna and like to some degree like it has worked out really well in the past the 360 yeah. era was incredible but it, you've got to get it right i mean yeah they do have the track history for it like you, you can't pretend they don't you know the mm. xbox live was a major step forward for online gaming the connect for better or for worse sold gangbusters you know was <laughs> a big tried. deal they've done they've done lots of important hardware stuff so i can see why they would look at it and be like yeah we're just gonna focus on the hardware and just buy a bunch of people to help us create a library of software but mm-hmm. why don't they have a big interesting library of software then like mm-hmm. game pass is a great deal for a bunch of average games that you'll put some time into and then move on to the next one um so yeah it remains that as we said earlier gaming is about those big titles and yeah, it's almost like they don't happen, want to admit so. that yeah. it's like that simple. I like, was going to say, like, this yeah. is not to interrupt anything, but it's a really no. interesting reflection of where we were at in 2013, where, you know, we talk about, or Microsoft, Phil Spencer talks about how Sony won that console generation uh, because, you know, they did so badly, Xbox did so badly at E3 with the DRM stuff. The reason why PlayStation was so affected there was because it was a simple message. Like that, that whole famous thing of yeah. like, oh, this is how you play games on PlayStation 4, and it was just them handing the game to each other and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. What Xbox should be doing right now is, as we get further and further into this, and they're talking about, like, building up digital libraries or whatever, Mm -hmm. but Xbox is still the... If you you have, like, an original Xbox or a 360 or a One, and you have a Series X, it is still fundamentally easier. Like, the the possibility of actually playing backwards compatible is across those Mm -hmm. consoles. And Mm -hmm. rather than driving that home and saying that if you get an Xbox console you will never have to worry about having to buy a game again like to, in order to actually access it and play it. You'll never have a situation where you have to fork out $50 to play Red Dead Redemption on a new Xbox console because mm-hmm. it fundamentally exists and, and it works across those things. But instead of leaning into that simple message, we're getting all this, you know, arty stuff about like, you know, cloud gaming and like the fact that you can get like all this. It's like you've fundamentally got a great simple message there about your platform 
that I don't think they've ever really hammered home or taken advantage of fully. Well, they kind of like, they try to nail it down a couple of different times. Like they, at the beginning of this generation, the series, the series generation, or whatever the hell you want to call it. And uh, as Game Pass Photo came in, it was Phil Spencer saying, oh, we'll have, you know, like a, I think it was like two or three, um, you know, big exclusive AAA games kind of thing every year. And we'll, we'll stick to that. And they just haven't been able to. It's just like the turnaround just isn't there. Um, and then it's like going forward. He said it again this year. He's like going forward. I think he's like, we're going to have four exclusives every year on Game Pass. And it's like I was, and then there was another member of Microsoft slash Xbox, um, saying that Starfield was the starting gun for that sort of new model. And it's like, well, maybe it is. Like you're a few years into the gen, you've taken a while to get there. Maybe they do have enough irons in the fire to finally do it. Um, you can see what they're going for. It's like you can see that like monthly model. You get incredible games, whatever. It's just like there's the underlying thing of that the subscription model fees don't support the amount of money that goes into those projects, which is why they have to put the money up in October. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Disney Plus has had two uh, price hikes in the last year. There's mm-hmm. another one coming soon. Um, which is another thing, but it's just that whole idea of um, try, just just believing in it so much that you're not like financing things in the right way. One thing I was going to throw in here is that the Warner Brothers acquisition, um, Phil Spencer mentions that it wouldn't be for the IP itself. Obviously, they wouldn't be buying Batman. They would be buying, assumedly, some portion of just the revenue, like just to get games on Game Pass, do deals. Is it WB you know, Games like specifically? That. Or is it... Uh, they just say Warner Brothers in the email, so I guess... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they, they them, like, WB themselves have been back and forward all the AT&T mm. acquisition stuff and mm. deciding how they're going to put their games out. And Mortal Kombat 1 is a result of that. We could have got Injustice 3, but we got Mortal yeah, Kombat I just remember instead. that, like, three years ago, they were floating mm. WB games as a potential asset sale and no one mm. came in to buy them. Um, yeah, yeah. I, just, I mean, the, the way that that would change... I was, years ago, I was like, what if... Because obviously Sony has pretty much succeeded in making Spider-Man a PlayStation character. Like, he's largely thought of as that. He's marketed as that. Um, would Xbox go out there and get Batman and get the next Arkham game or just have you know Xbox and Batman <laughs> PlayStation Suicide Squad kill the Justice Spider-Man. League Batman <laughs> hey, it's still good <laughs> it's, it's still good it's still good <laughs> we can make it work um, so the next talking point um, and we can go everything kind of connects to everything else but the, the next thing to cover here is the new Xbox consoles and um, there are two that have been leaked one is the next Xbox Series X um, which is a cylindrical tower it looks like a big tower speaker thing um, which is an all digital console like it's a two terabyte drive um, and it's a digital only no discs um, obviously you know very much trying to encourage you to get game pass that's one of the only ways you better do stuff um, and the new controller that comes with it has a gyroscope which is quite interesting because I feel like that's them hinting that the dual sense the PlayStation 5 the haptic stuff has legs and the more gimmicky stuff you can do with a controller the better um, you know they tried that stuff with the Xbox One there was the pressurized triggers and everything but nothing really made that much use of it but Sai what do you think of the, the mid-step one then we'll get to the stupid cloud system going forward I think this is a stupid decision, (laughs) (laughs) to be quite plain about it. Like, we're at the point now where you can buy these consoles. Absolutely, finally, Mm -hmm. there's some availability, it seems. But I don't really see what this offers that would make anyone want to necessarily oh fancy controller is is that's about the upgrade that you get you lose a disc Mm. drive like it's still a game pass machine even more so because it doesn't have Mm. a disc drive and it doesn't have we've just talked about it a lot but xbox doesn't have the supporting first party or big titles to make you go oh it's well worth me getting on these on a new console Mm. so they can see them even more in uh high quality high def or Mm. 8k or whatever um it doesn't have the games to support that, especially if they're coming through the cloud as well, which is already like, you know, goodness knows what state they're <laughs> going to be in when I get them on my screen over the internet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems, it feels really soon. I suppose it's not, but that's just indicative of this console generation. 
It's like it, trying to predict where it's going to be in another five years. Right, exactly. And this is apparently coming the fiscal year of next year. So sort of mm-hmm. next summer they were um, looking at it at the point that these documents were produced anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just feel like it would be a massive bomb. Like, I don't feel right. that people are interested in this across the board. I could be completely wrong, but I don't see people clamoring for... Not even a, a pro PS5 either. Neither, really. No. I don't think people are interested in either because we haven't remotely topped out what the consoles can do yet. Um, it just feels like they're doing it because, you know, that's what we did for the last couple of generations. So <laughs> that's what we know, quote-unquote, works. Yeah, I think it's a thing as well in terms of the Series S versus the Series X. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're about like 51-49% market share. They're very, very close. It's like I'm sure right. the Series X is slightly overselling the Series S. I might have got them the wrong, wrong way around. Mm-hmm. But my point is there's not like a market leader for it out of the two of them. Um, all their stats, all their market sales are always combined anyway when we talk about Xbox sales. Right. They sort of overlap. Um, there was a quote from Phil Spencer uh, last year saying that he thinks the Series S is ultimately the thing that will win overall. Um, and he thinks that that's like the plan overall. There was a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff that came out about how <laughs> internally... Uh, they view the Series S as the main console and the X is the deluxe optional Isn't one. Isn't that the console that's holding the games back? I was about to say, well, exactly. <laughs> every single person has been saying, Microsoft, guys, you're holding this back. This thing is like a like an anchor around our like, legs mm-hmm. at the minute. Please, you know, it's it's hold- that's, that's so... Is this midlife generation upgrade? Is this purely a digital machine? They haven't announced the disc version. So, well, so that's the thing. It, it's like, it would be like a midlife uh, release, but it wouldn't... Ch- assumedly, it wouldn't change any of the power output or anything. It would just be a digital-only Series X. So it is just a Series X minus the so disc drive. This is the frustrating what? thing, right? So With by, double the capacity. By doing that as well, anyone who actually owns a Series X right now and is still stockpiling their own physical media library of games... Which is entirely me. If you were then to go ahead <laughs> and do your sole mid-generation upgrade as a digital-only box, how does that inspire any confidence if you, as a Series X owner, on physical media... Mm. That's basically telling you that, well, when the next generation comes around, are you still going to be supporting that that physical kind of launcher mm. for me to play my mm. games? It just strikes me as straight, like, you know, Microsoft being, oh, we're all very pro-consumer here. We all power the gamers, the gamers, and all that stuff. <laughs> and it just, it's so antithetical to that, because mm-hmm. the more you lean into digital stuff, the more you are beholden to that one digital library, that one marketplace. And, um, yeah, I think this, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an exception, I know this, I'm not a guy who embraces digital media by and large. I don't do Games Pass, I don't do PlayStation Plus's extra tiers. Mm-hmm. I never did PlayStation Now. But I'm also just kind of like, surely there comes a point here where people are like, hmm, this might not be the fair deal that they're hyping it up to be. You'd think so. I mean, it's a very captive audience. Like you said, marketplace-wise, you're then stuck to whatever those price points are. And like, But assumedly you'd have Game Pass, but the, the pricing models or whatever, like in terms of the actual... You know, buying a copy of something, it would be whatever they tell you that it is. For me, like I do embrace that digital stuff. I'll try anything at least once. I'll stick with certain ones or whatever. But for me, the way they've approached Xbox backwards compatibility, um, not everything is on the digital storefront. Like if you want to play um, Dead to Rights or Lord of the Rings Lego or whatever, you have to buy the disc and uh, and then it'll recognize it and it'll let you play it. Um, but there's not a digital version of that. And so that was the way they sort of split the library. It was like the library is really vast and impressive and incredible um, and really, really cool, especially compared to Nintendo and PlayStation or especially PlayStation. Um, but that would go away. All those disc-only backwards compact games would go away, um, which is a lot of original Xbox stuff and 360 stuff, which I think is like interesting because the industry overall has always tried to walk that line between art and technology. And 
there's not an assumption that in, in a technological uh, the technology medium in that space for phones and everything, there's not an assumption that everything before will work going forward. It's always the new shiny thing is the new thing. And maybe in, in the phone space, they support the last few years worth of models, but that's it. And I feel like games have tried to walk that line weirdly. And it's like, I wonder maybe when they look at their player data, how many people are taking advantage of those old things. Um, and that wouldn't even necessarily be the argument. It should be that that's the option that you can play gaming history. But yes. that's, that's a my, weird line for them to, that's to tackle. Thing, yeah. I think it's that like, it doesn't really matter if people are taking advantage of it and not. I feel like it should still be an option because, mm-hmm. and we have this conversation with every console generation where it's like backwards compatibility is always a conversation and, you know, the drive towards digital over physical every time people do uh, more and more on the side of digital every generation it's it, it's kind of inevitable but mm-hmm. xbox and to their credit they probably should you know they back uh, they back themselves on the pat they pat themselves on the back <laughs> about actually having backwards compatibility and that's great mm-hmm. but they also do stuff like this where it's like okay so our, our mid-range upgrade is going to lose the disk drive and you and as you said kind of implies that the next console probably won't have one as well and they're obsessed mm. with the cloud blah 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 mm-hmm. well that is antithetical to backwards compatibility and gaming preservation and stuff like that mm. if you're going to do this you need to also put your money where your mouth is and buy all the code for every game ever released and put it on game which Pass. is like look, look we've got all of gaming history like all of yeah it. that's like it's the, the monopoly the monopolistic attitude I would want them to have to past decades go right. resurrect stuff, know, go give me like Atari libraries. Literally and impossible. Like it's nonsense. Yeah. But that's the solution. <laughs> mm, that's, well, that's the thing is, I feel like it, for that conversation as well, it's kind of it's been over to each individual publisher to put out those games. Obviously, they can then charge for them a lot of. Um, I mean, that was the whole conversation. I forget who wrote it up. Might have been the the Verge or Kotaku or something talking to um, Xbox's own backwards compatibility team about the reality of those conversations and how so many studios were just like, we're not going to give it to you to put on the we'll do a remaster we'll we'll do it properly we'll charge people for it mm-hmm. and we'll do things down the line and so like recently you know you've seen like collections like konami have put out the castlevania collections atari have put out atari 50 and like publishers are separately doing their own collections and some of them are better than others atari 50 is incredible um but stuff like that i think is is another part of that conversation when it comes to backwards compatibility and maybe on their side it just isn't worth it i I've, i don't know sure. I, I would want as many games as and possible. they want to exploit that obviously yeah. with like you know the, the leaks today talking about like a fallout 3 remaster master and, and, mm. and stuff like that so you know it makes it it's beneficial to them in the long run if they can be like well you know the physical library isn't going to be available going forward but we are going to put more effort into remastering mm-hmm. these things that you still won't technically actually own physically many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. 
With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. It'll be interesting if when they remaster Fallout, um, and we're going to get to the games that are on Bethesda's slate, but if they're remastering, well, they are remastering Fallout 3 and Oblivion, um, if the versions of them that are currently on the Xbox uh, store that are automatically upgraded through HDR and everything else, if they get replaced, like Ubisoft replaced the original Assassin's Creed with the, uh, Assassin's Creed 3 with well. the remaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like things like that. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. So the next overall Xbox console, which is pending for 2028, um, is a cloud-powered, fully digital console for cloud-powered games. Uh, I'll read their little blurb. This is obviously from an internal... Old man um, yells at cloud. Sorry, I had to get that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, so this is from an internal, um, assumedly PowerPoint, but um, it says, Our vision, develop a next-generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences. To translate that, um, it's literally <laughs> Crackdown 3. It's literally the idea of cloud-based computing for bigger, crazier games. There was a Lord of the Rings game a few years ago that The Verge have pointed out in their write-up um, that would cloud compute the armies and do all that sort of stuff in the background so you could focus on the things that are in the foreground or, or things that are more directly controllable. Crackdown 3 was meant to have that next level of a, a destruction in the cities and everything, but it would all be handled on the server side. When rubber hit the road or brass tacks or whatever, that stuff just couldn't be done. And Crackdown 3 shed all of that and released in a very thread. It was pretty much Crackdown 1 again. Again. Um, and so for me, I said this in the news, I'm not convinced of cloud computing stuff whatsoever. Um, but if we talk about Microsoft wanting to make next big leaps and everything else, then maybe we buy a bunch of studios and tell them to cloud compute stuff and go, don't worry about computational stuff. You can We can do it on a server farm and we'll do it that way. You and you're doing a little face. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see this. Like, I agree with you completely, Scott. I don't see this as a feasible thing going forward, at least in the immediate like short term. And it's like the... the computing space this would require in order to actually work especially with how you know mm. multiplayer focused a lot of these like big ips are and stuff and like how much strain is put on even current gen games to like load assets and and, and stuff like that i just i don't see this as a feasible thing going forward and it strikes no. me as strangely um it, it just seems like 
innovation for the sake of innovation's sake. And then what I mean by that is that there's no tangible use for this thing at this current moment in Not time. Yeah. We have powerful gray engines coming out. You know, we still haven't seen the full depths and capabilities of Unreal Engine 5, etc. You know, mm-hmm. gaming is still going in that direction. I just, I don't, I just think this is a weird weird obsession <laughs> i tell you what i'll throw in as well before i pass to you si is the an exchange between phil spencer and microsoft executive jean-emile Elien, um where they're talking where um Elien sort of having a conversation with phil spencer about why studios shut down and the general plans for the future and spencer's talking about costs and profits and, and that kind of thing he's oh we've never shut anybody down without you know due cause or whatever and Elien is flagging that there are various other reasons for keeping you know studios alive and they want to um, stick up for niche games and things like that and Elien also mentions that if they're steering into cloud stuff and the amount of um, cloud partners that they have that they'll be working with, how they underestimate the realities of game design, um, how in the next few years, um, he literally says there could be a bloodbath regarding the amount of studios that might need to be shut, the amount of profits that aren't going to be made, um, etc. And that's another wrinkle to this, that like this level of bet on the like industry-wide bet on what people want to see and what people want to play and the amount of money getting put into it to turn it all around and put it on a monthly service is unbelievable. It's almost astronomically huge. I view it as a, I personally view it as a risk in it and everything else, but it's like to hear one of their own executives refer to it as a potential bloodbath is uh, notable. There are two sort of sides to this for me. Like mm-hmm. to sort of play devil's advocate a little bit, it's like with um, cloud-based sort of development and programming and stuff like that, it kind of reminds me of AI in the sense that, in the, mm. you know, the last few years, the speed at which AI has grown. Do you remember when we were all sort of laughing at the really weird generations of mishmash faces? Here's Leatherface on the beach. <laughs> yeah. 20 fingers. Yes, yeah, weird pictures of Mario Kart and stuff like that and whatever. Mm. And now we've gotten to the point where it's genuinely concerning so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um you can it, replace your eyes in a call. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that, right? People are making awful mods for Resident Evil 4 that swap out the voice actors they don't like, which is just disgusting. Um, right. But And so maybe it's kind of like that. Maybe by 2028, when this is predicted to launch this console, cloud computing mm-hmm. will be a lot better than we're taking, giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. That being said, it does sound incredibly expensive um which would be prohibitive for smaller studios and that kind of thing and to get back to sort of like the meat of it really it's like is it time for this do we need this you can't even (laughs) develop a game with the thing that you know what we've got now games that come out now don't work as it is so why are we trying to leapfrog forward when everything right now is in an unplayable state like can't we figure things out before we try and you know initiate the next stage please (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't even guarantee you a collapsing skyscraper in Crackdown, let alone trying to yeah. you know, fully compute a whole, whatever it is, what an unfathomable idea they've got uh, to bring together across the next half decade. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that stuff. Obviously, we're covering this in the morning of um, Tuesday the 19th. This broke overnight for us. Um, or it kind of broke in the morning, actually. It was about an hour. It was like 7 a.m. or something for us. Um, so I imagine there'll be a lot of conversations. When, when Phil Spencer wakes up, he's going to have some stuff to say. Because um, <laughs> most of them... Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll do the thing that we said at the very beginning, um, which is he'll just say, ah, it's conversations from two or three years ago. Don't I'm worry about it. We're not doing that. I'm the game I'm guy. I'm just a little, you know, Phil Spender. Don't worry about it. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just get some get some stuff done. Um, so the last thing on here, the big old stuff, and um, the last big leak, leak is uh, Bethesda's entire in-development and upcoming lineup. So we'll kind of go one by one, um, and we'll just flash this out a little bit. Um, first of all is the Fallout 3 remaster. Apparently that's coming fiscal year 2024, so that's between October this year and September next year. Um, quick thoughts on this. Sai or Ewan? 
<laughs> really? Okay, that's cool. I'm not like a huge Fallout person, but I didn't, so, you so I'm, I'm unfortunately it. just going to caveat all of this with I don't think I like any Bethesda games at all. So I don't. Interesting. Have you sound like me. Ooh. That was me before Starfield and Skyrim. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I am a big fan of Fallout Three, and New Vegas is my baby. I love that one the most. So if they get mm. that remastered and stuff, then. I'll be even more excited. But yeah, it's, it's yet another thing that I love that I can't play. And maybe that'll get me to buy an Xbox at some point. I don't know. It's a shame. I think Fallout 3, it's kind of like that and Skyrim. They're the two definitive Bethesda RPGs, aren't they? It makes sense to have a new version of that game yeah. if you're going to reach mm-hmm. back into Bethesda's library. Um, so yeah, I'll get into the Oblivion stuff when you bring up Oblivion because I have some yep. interesting kind of thoughts about why they're doing Oblivion as a remaster. But certainly, you know, Fallout 3... Um, yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Especially, Absolutely. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I'm quite mm-hmm. surprised that it hasn't happened already. So it feels probably about time, especially considering Fallout 4. I think I, was it sort of from what I remember, sort of landed a bit kind of. Eh, some people oh, are do, not necessarily yeah, keen entirely. on it, and obviously mm-hmm. 76 is a whole other thing. So this is an easy uh, win, hopefully in theory, as long as it runs fine again, Bethesda, <laughs> uh, or runs as fine as a Bethesda game can. Uh, yes. this should be this should be. Um, sort of recovery for the state of Fallout from the last few years, hopefully. If the characters' clothes can stay on, we will consider it a win. Because <laughs> nice. even Starfield had clothes flying around everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like I would kind of want them to reinv- like put Fallout 1 and 2 back out there. I know that they some of the licensing stuff with awesome. that is a bit, mm. yeah, a bit held up because it was like Black Isle and it became Bethesda or whatever. But um, you would hope that they see more from that. I tell you what's interesting to throw in here is that there's no mention, and it was a dream project, of a collaboration between Bethesda and Obsidian. Um, it would probably be something that would be greenlit years down the line, but the assumption was that because Xbox slash Microsoft now owns um, the original teams again, um, that they could do New Vegas 2 or do Man, whatever. And they then, need to know, do that. I'm sorry, New Vegas is like one of the greatest RPGs I've ever played. Like, mm. I, like that to me is definitive Fallout. And it, uh, yeah, it, it makes no sense to me that they're not they should be doing something on this surely there is just you know it's just one guy in like the janitor's closet just drawing up sketches of like the wanderer or rex the dog like just get us back there man because yeah i miss it well i'll tell you what outer worlds is not here either and that was obsidian's sort of um you know like new vegasy meets like sci-fi kind of thing and there's not a mention of that on here either so potentially after avowed i guess that would free up uh, in a wider sense, like what they could potentially do. Um, so yeah, there's the Fallout 3 remaster, assumedly coming before um, September next year. We have the Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion remaster that was meant to release last year, uh, but didn't. But Ewan, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, this makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an Oblivion hater. I think there's lots of great stuff about that RPG. Um, but it looked ugly back in 2006. <laughs> and I still think if you do that now, it's like the jankiest kind of foot that Bethesda have put forward and like mm. this so notoriously like just looks awkward and weird and just is so meme-tacular that to put... Oh, I've definitely got way more positive I, memories of it I than like you. It. But I, that's I thought it was good, but like I don't... I just... I mean, I could be completely talking and like as just a complete idiot right now, which wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> I do it very often. Um, but yeah, that, that one surprises me quite a bit because it's always struck me as like a wee bit of an ugly duckling. Obviously, there's some great, you know, classic RPG Bethesda vibes from it. Um, but... If I was them, I'd maybe be looking at doing something with Morrowind. I think if I was looking back at the mm-hmm. older Elder Scrolls games before Skyrim, um, when Bethesda had its RPG kind of like modern RPG kind of blueprint established, mm-hmm. 
I'd be looking at remakes, I wouldn't be looking at remasters, I would be looking back into something like a Morrowind and going, okay, well, what did we do well with that game? Um, what mm. was missing from Skyrim that we did really well in Morrowind? Can we blend those two things together and make it better? I think when you remaster it, you are leaving a lot on the table. I think those games would benefit hugely from the full remake treatment. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, I actually agree with that in terms of remaking over remastering because I feel like there are a lot of people that because Skyrim is now over 10 years old and, you know, generations have moved on and stuff like that. Like Oblivion is obviously going to appeal to a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but there will be people that go back to it after Skyrim and be like, yeah, this is really old weird jank even with a new <laughs> coat of paint. But so like I think it could do depending on what they do to it, but it definitely needs a bit more attention, but I can see why, again, it's the same with Fallout 3. For me, I can see why they're doing it. It's a supremely popular game. It's a big Mm -hmm. step up at the time for Elder Scrolls. It makes perfect sense to me. It's another quite an easy holdover until Elder Scrolls 6, I suppose. So, yeah. For me, it's like it's the big nostalgic one. Like, it's the. yeah, it has so much of a connotational connection to um, the 360. Like it was just, I remember everyone got a 360 and Oblivion. It was there was the two things I saw it played yeah. everywhere. I didn't personally gel with Oblivion. Skyrim was my first Elder Scrolls that I fell in love with. I just couldn't get on board with Oblivion or Morrowind. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder because like the development time of this obviously predates the um, the acquisition, the Zenimax stuff, or the the ongoing trial stuff. And I wonder how much since Xbox has come in have they said actually delay that, polish it up. We'll kind of tap into the Xbox nostalgia side of it. Um, and maybe do before and after style screenshots and remind mm. you of 2006, remind you of the 360 era, because that was by far the strongest era in Xbox history, at least so far. Um, so that could be a way for them to like roll that out. But yeah, like I said, it was uh, according to the document, it was meant to release last year, and it didn't. Um, next one down is Doom Year Zero, um, which is interesting because it ain't Doom 3, or it's not, I mean, it potentially is, but it makes me, title-wise, gives me Mortal Kombat 1 vibes. Makes me wonder if they're doing some sort of... Another reboot. Uh, like a reboot thing, or like the origin of Doom guy. Oh, I just, I, give me Doom origin. I, I don't, give me Doom origin. They, well, they, they kind of already did it in Eternal, so I'm like... I don't, Go even I don't know, further already... back. Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely think that that's a great launching point what they did with eternal like you really could have some crazy fun yeah genuinely throw like time travel in there or some kind of nonsense (laughs) like i really it's the third game in a in a trilogy or a franchise reboot at this point they will need Mm -hmm. to do something different with it to spice it up so Mm -hmm. the title is very intriguing to me and also i mean i guess as we say this was from several years ago this is planned to come out this year it's clearly not going to yes. happen alongside uh, two bits of dlc or whatever for this year and right next year as well. but this is before some of the uh controversy surrounding mick gordon and stuff like that which is mm, which feels true. like a big part of why we don't know what's going on with doom because you can't mm. just you need to fill that massive void correctly and you need to announce yep. it in the right way and there's going to be backlash no matter what they do because he's not mm. a part of it anymore and he's such a part of that blueprint of those first two games. But mm. I am, I'm, you know, hopefully they're still trucking along with it because mm. I am, I'm ready for a new Doom now, I think. That is such a good point about Mick Gordon. That thing was so unsolved. I know they went back and yeah, forth a lot. Yeah, it was, there was so a lot huge of, mess. Yeah, a lot of scrapping, a lot of like, well, there's the email you sent me, you didn't pay me for this, I got this deadline, whatever. Um, I know there was some resolution on that, but there tends to be the resolution from Gordon's side was I'm not working with these people ever again. Yeah. Um, and he just is the, the audio footprint of Doom. Um, 
so yeah, they have to try and like unpick all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the idea of sort of like, I guess, doing something in law wise, there's that big gap where he's like stuck in hell and he's becoming the Doom Slayer and he goes from a Marine to like the crazy. That makes sense as well for man. the title. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, like, so I'm just thinking in a like, Batman if you wanted... kind of way, this is where I began my training. <laughs> Doom guy one begins. Demon at a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> going to climb out of a big pit or something. I just, um, <laughs> but still, like, yeah, I personally don't want a backstep. I want going forward. I loved Eternal so much. Um, and I, uh, I just want them to keep going forward stuff i think i'm a bit burnt out on origin stories i like my characters I mysterious that. i don't want the origins of sephiroth for the love of god in that mobile game uh the final fantasy 7 ever crisis i just i don't need everything being fleshed out but i guess we'll see um how that goes you and thoughts on yes yeah no i think it's fun like again like as someone who's only like a casual doom enjoyer like um, i i really appreciate the space that series occupies and the fps mm. canon um and yeah i don't know like year zero like do you do you maybe go back and like innovate on the the, the shooty aspects maybe add in some more melee stuff make it a little bit more fantasy mm-hmm. integrate more of that into it i don't know it just sounds really cool i'm always down for for mm-hmm. more doom <laughs> more doomies the um, eternal fleshed out tons of the lore and brought in like more melee weapons and stuff as well so mm-hmm. they could be going in that direction and um, the next one down is todd howard's indiana jones game and um, which apparently was going to release last year i thought that thing was way earlier in development than it is and there was an update earlier this year from howard himself saying that it's a dream project and he's loving working on it and now that starfield's wrapping up he has more time to put into it and everything i personally couldn't care less about indiana jones but i <laughs> you and i know you're way more of a fan yeah. than i yeah no i mean i i love indy this is like the one this is is like spider-man on playstation for me like i already had a playstation by the time mm. they announced marvel spider-man but if they have if i hadn't and they'd announced it i would have gotten a playstation for it so indie is probably you know i'm just still desperately chasing that lucas arts nostalgia man like whenever there's a crumb of it out in the wind i'll be i'll be scurrying after it like a, a hungry rat <laughs> like i just need more indie in my life and like i hopefully like this could be like a definitive indiana jones game because we've only really had like one mega good one um yeah, so yeah. yeah i mean I, I it remains to be seen i literally have no idea what a bethesda indiana jones game could look like i'm gonna pray that it's not first person um and yeah <laughs> well it's yeah it's made by machine games so it's like are they using like the wolfenstein engine i guess that would be first person but then it's like whips and swinging and whatever in first to person. have that iconic character and to make it so that you only see his shoes or his hands would be the <laughs> dumbest thing ever, and I could totally see them doing it. <laughs> yeah, customizable whips. So you see all the little handles. Oh my god! You see the bottom of the hat. hat. Yeah. yeah, if you look up, you can see the peak. Side thoughts on Indiana Jones? Uh, same as you. It's not a franchise that I have a whole lot of uh, experience no. with, anyway. Actually, but like, I think it's a cool, interesting. Um, thing and it always has been since we've known about it. It's like that's a weird addition to their catalogues. So, yeah, I definitely didn't um, see it coming. Like right. Todd Howard going from Fallout and Elder Scrolls to Indiana. I mean, you can tell it's a dream project. Exactly, like good for him. So for, like you know, chasing a, a dream project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you sort of alluded to, we have no idea how far along this is. I expect that it probably got paused along the way at some point because Starfield mm-hmm. kind of demanded everything, you know, everybody's attention. So mm-hmm. this could be a long way off from it yet, but. Yeah, if it's, I would like, I know it's so obvious to be like, if it's kind of like their sort of take on an Uncharted game, that it's like an yeah, obvious I mean, I think... fit of, from the style, but something like that, like a third person climbing around, that sounds fun, even though I don't really know the movies, that could like, totally it could be... be fun. Yeah, that could totally be the play. Like, you have Uncharted on the PlayStation side, just make us an Uncharted, which in itself, like, those general sort of, um, you know, tropes and everything were from an indie anyway. So it's like, yeah, why exactly. not reclaim that stuff? I know, that's why um, it I... seems really obvious to say that, but, like, mm. sometimes obvious is good. 
Yeah, yeah, and they have the, they have the ability to sort of leapfrog the next Uncharted anyway, and be like, we're the definitive one. Yeah. And at the minute, we don't even know if there are is any more Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Um, two sequels uh, are also confirmed: Ghostwire Tokyo is getting a sequel before October next year, and Dishonored Three before October twenty twenty four. Ghostwire, I was very surprised by yes. because um, that game. I mean, it was one of those things that kind of uh, it came around just as the acquisition was being first mentioned. So all of a sudden, Sony just binned off all their marketing, and what is like, why would we advertise this? It's going to be leaving us anyway. Um, and so it's one of those things where I thought that game was fascinating to a point. I loved it to a point. Um, it was only about half, well, not even halfway through, a couple of hours, three hours in, four hours in, where it just became another Ubisoft open world game. Ah. And I was just, it felt like they ran out of dev time because um, there's so much curation and so much great concept, like work for the ghosts and the exploration and everything at the beginning um, and the scene setting and the art direction and everything and the combat. But it just, it falls apart when it was like, go find 20 of these things, go you know, do arbitrary Far Cry style Ubisoft things. Um, and I was so like, oh God, to that stuff that I just never finished it. But um, I guess, yeah, what do either of you or, or you and what do you think of like, I guess them attempting to do more Yeah, good. I mean, it's a new thing. It's at least it's something mm-hmm. that released in the last few years that they're wanting to actually commit to and make something out of. So, you know, but that, I, I never played it. I saw, I thought the, the art direction looked appealing. I thought there was an intri- mm-hmm. intriguing premise there. Disappointing to hear that it was basically kind of devolving into UB formula, the further you got in kind of um, but maybe they can you know rectify those issues with the sequel i think it looked like one of those it looked like a very obvious game of like okay the sequel is obviously going to be way better because like you've mm-hmm. you've got this solid premise but there's clearly stuff here from seeing the previews and trailers that you could flesh out a little bit further so yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. that's kind of more of what you want you want microsoft and bethesda to be betting on new ip and this is the new ip and if they can make the sequel maybe it'll be a huge step up and ghostwire tokyo will reach a bigger but that said i don't see this being like uh, everyone's gonna be rushing out to buy ghostwire tokyo too no i think because they've got ghostwire colon tokyo they could do like different locations mm. they could almost assassin's creed it where you sort of dive into what if this place was possessed by demons at night and do ghostwire new york or whatever it <laughs> hey is. i'm ghosting um, here <laughs> <laughs> i'm haunting people here and uh that might be a thing to do side thoughts on ghostwire tokyo sequel or dishonored 3 yeah it's sort of surprised about ghostwire getting a sequel but because it was one of those games and to your point what you say about the marketing kind of stopped that probably didn't help with the fact but it just kind of came out and it seemed like not that many people were talking about it mm. it scored moderately well from a quick look now um but i I have a little bit of investment in Tango Gameworks, the studio behind it, because it was founded by Shinji Mikami, yes. know, Mr. Resident Evil. So mm-hmm. I've always sort of followed it a little bit. I'm quite surprised, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are going to be disheartened that it's not Evil Within 3, which is what the original Ghostwire yeah. started off as. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I agree. New IP, or at least slightly fresher IP, and there was something always very in- intriguing about it. Um, mm-hmm. even though I didn't get around to playing it and by the sounds of it I probably shouldn't because that, like, <laughs> that sounds like my nightmare four hours of good it's team like, and then suddenly an open world that's the thing it's like it's <laughs> worth seeing what they do I've just had a Google there because I had a vague memory that Shinji Mikami left uh, Tango and he has that, right, that yes. was announced at the start yeah. of this year so assumedly he's gone now yeah. um, after Hi-Fi Rush but um, but yeah there's a lot of promise with the Ghostwire like mechanics the way you do all the combat right. the different spells you can do and everything so a lot of potential um, Dishonored 3 is um, is cool as well yeah, I mean Arcane sure. I guess getting back to their roots or whatever at this point they they put them on the map um i hated death loop so more dishonored i guess I, i've not vibed with an arcane game since dishonored one so like for me i'm i'm that weirdo i'm that guy you in the like corner two going, like they were good back in the day you were a two guy <laughs> hey, which you guy? didn't like a dishonored you were a dishonored two guy 
No, I just kind of bounced off it. I thought like the level of gore that was in it didn't match up with the moves I was doing, and I was just like, I feel it feels so disconnected. I just I just didn't enjoy those level designs, and the AI was like spot on me from across the map and whatever. I just I vibed so much more with Dishonored One, and I keep trying Prey. But I can never vibe with Prey. I know Prey's one of Josh Brown's favorite games, and he's always holding it up next to my window as I'm trying to sleep. I know I should play, <laughs> it, but I'm never, I'm never gonna get there. But what are, um, either of you say? What do you think? Yeah, of Yeah, Prey is the one that I put the most time into. But admittedly, I didn't finish it. I feel like this mm. is another one of those podcasts where I've come on and just said I don't like video games because <laughs> I don't like. I've never played a video game. <laughs> yeah, I did, Dishonored does nothing for me. Uh, Deathloop looked boring as hell, but Dishonored, I tried it and it didn't do anything for me. But again, a logical thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, we also have to realize that this was an out, you know, on the plan several years ago. So it's not like this mm-hmm. is a reactionary. Oh no, Redfall was a disaster. Let's go back to Dishonored thing. It was always mm-hmm. planned that they would get back to the series. Um, mm-hmm. And there are so many fans that will be happy to see it when it comes back. So I think mm-hmm. good for them for trying out a few new IPs. Absolutely, I don't think we're ever going to get sequels to Redfall or Deathloop, are we? So let's go back to the well for a little while to, to the I'm thing sure that definitely works. They're going to commit to Redfall or something. I, I yeah, like, it's gonna, okay for ten years. Yeah, we're we're going to make it a good game in Commit 10 it years. to game jail. No. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Um, so I'll throw a couple more things in just to round this out because um, we only have project code names for these, but you can just talk about them um, for a couple of minutes, which is. Project Kestrel, um, which was meant to arrive by this year, and it has an expansion apparently, Project Platinum. Um, but the more interesting thing is an unannounced licensed IP game. So it's just something that's Bethesda either developed or published, I guess in the vein of an Indiana Jones in terms of it potentially being publishing, um, that is some other licensed IP that would want Bethesda to be near it. Yeah, I wonder if this was also picked up around the same time as Indiana Jones, if it's from the same mm. deal. like Maybe they cut a deal for two different IPs from the same film studio or something like mm. that. But maybe it's Star Wars. Maybe a Bethesda Star Wars I was RPG thinking, would yeah. win. Oh, After doing Starfield as well, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Just reskin it. I feel like Star Wars is like they like Ubisoft's having their Star Wars game. There's obviously more respawn stuff coming. Like Star Wars has been greenlighting things left, right, and center, but they yeah so far haven't been connected to. Um, uh, Bethesda and stuff, but yeah, I guess you and thoughts on either of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I think I, from the if it's if it's part of that same Lucasfilm games batch, then um, that would maybe make sense. I think if you had a Bethesda Star Wars RPG, it'd probably be the closest thing we would have get to a mm. new. Kotor, because obviously the Kotor remake, I'm just right. going to assume that thing is dead and in some. Yep bloody sarlacc stomach getting digested very slowly <laughs> at this point um we have that terrible quantic dream thing that that's come in that is gonna oh yeah, my god like, eclipse th- yeah. that's years away so you know i mean i it's completely just random guess there i think the the lucasfilm games connection would make sense because no other ip mm. is really springing to mind in terms of something that, that bethesda just, would touch just watch now it'll be a land before time ah. that's, that's that's lucas well, i mean maybe so, maybe they do a let fun... me play as ducky damn it yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe they do a marvel thing i don't know i don't know if disney lucasfilm games is kind of autonomous within that kind of setup so they'd have to make a different deal if, if it's come at that point in time mm. i don't know it's interesting to see bethesda reach out into into licensed games i'm a big licensed mm-hmm. game uh propon- proponent <laughs> proprietor, proprietor? I like yeah. licensed games. Um, <laughs> they they take me back to a cozy little time where you could go and watch TMNT in cinemas in 2007 and play the Ubisoft time game and 100% <laughs> all the, the achievements in one day. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it, it'll, it's a project. It's named... I like Kestrels. Kestrels are a cool bird. 
Um, Kesha so, was cool and spin the cell. Know. If we're just doing, yeah. you know, yeah. why not? Overall, a historic leak in gaming history, the biggest thing I'd say since the GTA 6 leak a couple of years ago, um, and just ridiculous. I can't wait to see what the responses are. There's the Nintendo side that needs to be responded to. There's the Phil Spencer side. There's the console side. There's the Bethesda side. Um, it's going to be a big old talking point, and chances are more stuff's broken as we've recorded this. Um, but thank you to both of you for joining on this thing. This is very much just let me gather it all together and talk about stuff for a bit. And a massive thank you to everybody for listening as well. And for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Cy White. Goodbye. And you in person. See you later, Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.